Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. I actually had two topics I wanted to discuss with you today. One was was the, the, the importance of an intranet or a portal. Um, and the other one is, should I learn to code if you're not a technical person? Mm, all right. I'm interested. Cool. Um, yeah, so I know, you know, portals were something that we had talked about maybe discussing. So I think a good place perhaps to start is sort of narrowing down those definitions between intranet and portal. Um, cause I guess, you know, there's something that are, are kind of mingled in my mind, but, um, when I looked into it a bit, it seems that intranets are, um, sort of the umbrella term, um, for, for all of the internal network items and then portals mm-hmm. are, they help organize those. So you might have a portal that then, you know, points to your, your SharePoint or to your, you know, the other resources that you have. Yeah, so so maybe in, in my mind it's about how specific it is. Mm. So so a portal is has got a very specific function, um, whereas an internet is is almost it's it's the company trying to bring their own version of the internet into the ecosystem. So you're, I think you're right there. So you you might have an internet that connects to many portals, um, and in some cases you depending on the organization. Um, they may have the portals hosted on top of the intranet. Um, so they'd have a, a company landing page and, and the landing page would have all the company bulletins and key communications and that sort of mm. thing. And then the navigation would take you out to the other portals like a portal for HR, a portal for finance, a portal for whatever. Um, in, in the context of this conversation, the portal would be something that helps the end user use technology more effectively. Um, so that would be things like um, being able to reset their password, uh, being able to see all their approvals that they need to do, um, those sorts of those sorts of things. I mean, we'll go through sort of a couple of other examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, what I find with internets is they are built at one point, and then for the next couple of years, they they iterate and they become a catch-all for everything. Mm-hmm. More and more complicated to navigate uh, over time. Whereas a portal should be kept pretty clean or simple because it should always be based on that focused objective. So managing your your technology, for example. Yeah, I, I feel like when I was researching the, the two main things that kept coming up to sort of avoid were too much complexity mm-hmm. and then something that's just too difficult to maintain so it gets out of date. Um, and then both of those end up you know, not being adopted by employees because they're they're just not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, and, and you and you do get. Um, I'm thinking of some examples. So when I was at, at one of the banks, um, you'd have some some teams that would just go all out. Their their portal would be they'd have almost a wiki as opposed to a portal, very much like a WordPress site, where they, they'd go absolutely moggy and they'd have you know all the information you could think of. They'd have you know, ways to request their services, um, get a help guide, videos, 
whatever. Um, and then you have the converse where someone's just trying to get something going and they've just created the site, but they haven't got the, the capacity or the, the inclination to fill out anything. So you might have a blank page with just an email address to contact this person. So you have this discrepancy in, in content and detail, which makes things look, well, looks unfinished, mm -hmm. disjointed. Um, so I think it's important to find a good balance between, as you say, something that's manageable, but also relevant when you're looking at it. So what are the sort of ingredients of a portal that that you've worked with before that you've constructed? Um, so I, I've always been a fan of, of dynamic content. So it's so a content that, that changes on its as it as it goes through um, various little curation processes. So if you, and what do I mean by that? So if we talk about our technology portal, so let's let's say we are trying to bring everyone to the um, technology marketplace, for want of a better term. So when you come there, you come in there to do something. Well, you're either going there to uh, find out about announcements, you're going there to reset your password or manage your passwords because you probably have multiple, depending on, on how complicated the organization is. Um, you come in there to do your approval, as I mentioned. You come in there to request something. So maybe you need a new headset or um, a new device or, or something to that effect, or you're just trying to get some technology help, whatever it is. Um, that I would see um, being dynamic to the extent that when I go and look at it, it's going to show me contextually relevant information. So let's say I'm, I'm in uh, operations, I'd want to see anything that's affecting my operational stuff. So let's say my, my key core services. So what's the state of, of email right now? It's operational in all areas. You know, if it's not, then it should be, uh, instead of being a green symbol, it should be an amber, or, or if it's an outage, you should see a red. Um, if uh, when you know everyone's using um, you know either Teams or Zoom or some sort of video conferencing technology, there should be some sort of metric that tells me the state of that. Um, so so when you're looking at this portal, you're getting an insight to what's going on, and then you can drill into where you need to drill in. So other things would be good to know is like if there's how-to articles and and what are the most used how-to articles. When was that article last refreshed? But you can see. Again, what you've looked at versus what everyone else is looking at. Potentially, your problem that you've come there to look for, someone else has already tried to address it, and they've already found the article, and you don't have to go and dig around for that article. So, so things like that. I think a good use, and not an overuse of video, um, to to share a message or to show someone how to do something is, is a good thing to have in a portal. Um, and, and going back to what I say about sort of self curation, when you put something into the portal. There should be the level of, of, of approval or scrutiny, and it doesn't need to be bureaucratic to the point that it doesn't get out there, but it's correctly tagged so that when it's when it's bubbled up, you know, if you're looking for a how-to and how to use SharePoint, for example, um, it's tagged as a SharePoint how-to video. Um, and that's not a complicated process, you know, upload the video, tag it, and then it's in. Um, and the only reason I think there's some level of curation is there might be 10 videos that show the same thing and you don't necessarily want to show the 10 videos, you want to show the best one or the best two potentially if they slightly vary. Maybe there's a different language or something used. So, so going back to self-curation and, and what do I see as a good portal? So I think the navigation needs to be simple. I think you could have a combination of, of a hard navigation and a virtual navigation. So what do I mean by that? So hard means we have prescribed the menu elements. So home, reset my pass, manage my passwords, tickets, uh, whatever. 
and then your virtual is made up based on search. So whatever we've mm. what commonly searched or aggregated. So um, the example I normally go to on this one is if I'm looking for a policy document and I'm in the technology space, that policy document might exist in the legal framework, it might exist in the HR framework, it might exist in technology. So a good example of that is a laptop. A laptop will have certain criteria that has to meet for each of those divisions, and there might be a finance one for disposal as well. So if I go and search for policy, the first result I should get would be the, the technology policy on laptops. And I'm not talking about a massively long document, it could be a couple, couple bullet points. But then I should see HR, I should see finance, and I should see um, legal. And, and depending on what kind of industry you're in, you might have things like, um, if you're in Europe, you can't take laptops across certain borders. So there'd be some, some of the things. But that should all be generated for you based on what's available in the content. And, and you're not the, the person writing that policy, as long as they're tagging it correctly, doesn't have to necessarily worry about the other policies where they sit, but you, they'll, they'll blend together as they get brought back. So I kind of like that as a way of, of building a portal. Um, then I think it's about people using it. If, if no one, if people don't find value in it because it's too complicated, then you need to be able to simplify it. Um, and, the, and the technology has been able to do it for, for a decade. It's not, it's not like you have to go build a whole new platform, but I think you need to have um, almost audiences or, or personas again that will seed certain information on the portal versus other people. And this comes back to permissions and access to information and that sort of stuff. So a good, you call it the, the sort of technical term is your, is your information architecture. Um, so not everyone needs to be able to edit the policy, but they should be able to read the policy. Um, but if you are going to go and do a how-to how video and contribute, then you should be able to contribute. Um, if you want to write a blog about something and reference something, you should be able to do that. You know, those sorts of things create stickiness and, and that. Um, the last piece is some sort of gamification because um, you want people coming back there. Now, do, do you need people to live on the portal and spend, you know, the whole day there? No, they normally need to be there for a couple of minutes to, to find something and do something. Um, but if they use it a lot and they and they provide, they can provide input into it. So, you know, five stars versus thumbs up, thumb down, one of those sort of metrics that should be credited back to them because then they'll come back again to get another one um, and that'll keep your curation going. So mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what I think a, a good one looks feels like. Um, yeah. Aesthetically pleasing, of course, needs to needs to look nice. Uh, I mean, I've seen some that are that are still based on the '80s design that they were originally conceived on. Mm -hmm. um, but you know that that's the problem with intranets. They typically be tend to become a, a low priority after all. Whereas a portal, if that's owned by you know at a high enough level and, and it needs to be sort of sponsored as well then they keep the focus on to keep it fresh. Yeah, I sort of, I looked into the history of intranets a little bit. Yeah. And it seems like the original ones were very much just like static pages that then mm. um, sort of had limited utility and went out of date pretty quickly. Um, but there was this breakthrough product in the mid 90s called Intranet Genie um, by oh, yeah. Frontier Technologies. Um, that sort of, it brought in like, content aspects and collaboration aspects. And it was kind of like the start of, um, you know, we can do more with with this kind of um, technology. But it was, of course, um, the UI was not very friendly <laughs> with the UX at that point. So, um, but I guess at one point it was pretty ubiquitous, um, although expensive. So 
Um, it came out the same year as Ask Jeeves and the Nintendo 64, um, oh, which yeah. helped me place it <laughs> in time. Um, but I, I do want to dig into a couple things you're talking about there. Just um, I think it'd be interesting maybe to talk about sort of who all needs to be involved, because I think when you're talking like design and having like, you know, HR and just different um, elements in there, like how do you work together across departments to make this happen? And then also um, when you're getting to sort of usage of the portal, like how do you know if users are using the portal um, and how do you track that? Yeah, so so any any CMS, a decent one now, will be tracking it for you already. Um, they'll have something, you know, if it's even if it's as rudimentary as page counts when they're kicked on. Um, but if they, if you don't have, then yes, you need to you need to put something in. Uh, much the same way with the website, you'd put something like Google Analytics in. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be uh, too sophisticated to begin with. It just needs to tell you that people are coming in and they're spending time on these pages and then they they're leaving. Um, I think there's a bit to, to your question around um, who needs to be involved. Well, it depends on who the portal's going to be for. Mm -hmm. So typically, you'd, you'd want some sort of executive sponsor who's got the vision. Um, so I've been fortunate that I've had to, you know, very strong visionary sort of leadership, and they've known exactly what they've wanted, and all they want you to do is execute on it. Um, and it's been very specific. So in the technology space, it was very specific. We wanted a, a go-to place for, uh, you know, sort of marketplace for technology. Um, because the experience within the organization was pretty to, to use part of my French, but you, you, there were so many different request systems. There were so many different tools you had to use. Um, unless you knew everything, you could never get anything done and you spend more time trying to find the tool to do the request than you did actually doing the request sometimes. So by providing this marketplace, you, you abstract all that complexity and you make it very simple. So having that sort of leadership, very important. Um, and then it, then you need a small team. Um, so, you know, if I think about how we did it, we, we had a couple developers. Um, we had um, sort of an architect, which is pretty much the role that I played to an extent, uh, slash product lead, project lead, whatever it is, just to, just to deliver on the execution. Um, and then you really are balancing out the need versus what you can do. So we, we picked, for example, using a product with, with a portal component initially to build the portal because by doing that, we had all the data that we needed because a lot of this is about the data. Um, and then we would go out to different teams that own different components. So for example, you know, with password management or, or approvals, we'd go talk to the different requesting systems or the different guys who own passwords and try and get what we needed in order to make it simple in the, in the portal. Uh, and that meant in some cases getting APIs built that didn't exist. Um, but but it, that's how we did it. So we didn't try and boil the ocean. We'd go and pick like password management and we'd go and work with those guys and get that started going. And then we say, okay, we need to wait for the APIs. So then we'll go back and we'll go look at request systems. And, you know, one of the request systems was the, was the portal we were using. So we had that, but then we needed two other systems. Um, so you're constantly um, sort of going in these loops. So loop out to get something and come back, loop out to get something and come back. And then as you build, um, you've identified new things. So things like, uh, and in this organization I'm thinking of, we had a VDI platform, um, which you could request through another platform. So what we did is we absorbed that platform into the portal uh, or their functionality. Um, so we didn't have to have another tool, we had one tool. And that was a decision taken at sort of, 
Ellen Ministia Co, which was really the, the sort of executive sponsor, um, myself and, and my boss and one other person. And those they made the decisions every week on or two weeks where we were going next and how to prioritize them. So very tight, very lean. Um, you find I find it works better with a smaller footprint like that than trying to sort of pitch to everyone. And what happens is once you build momentum, people start going, "Hey, but listen, I've got this thing. Can I come? Can we bring it in?" And like, "Yeah, we can," but oof, you know, priorities, da da da. And and you sort of play the scarcity game a bit. There's no vote, you know, and and then they push you more, and then that gets you the momentum as opposed to the other way around where you're trying to get everyone to sort of join your 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 adventure and you, you you're sort of playing politics as opposed to uh, doing the job so by doing the job mm-hmm. you get the, the thing so so that's how we've done it and it's worked fairly well that way how long did it take you from the idea to to launching that portal version one was about three months maybe four um it's a bit blurry because it was quite a quite a pressure time uh, I didn't thankfully do all the coding. I was, it might have taken longer, um, but the guys that worked on it worked really quickly, and we we had a lot of um, um, support. So so you know cleared a lot of a lot of bureaucracy out the way. Um, so if I ran into a problem at a meeting, I could say, look guys, we have to solve the problem. If you don't like it, escalate it. But I can tell you now, it's coming right back at you. So it it was it was fortunate in that sense that we didn't get caught in the minutia of of political lines and all that kind of stuff. We, we pretty much barreled through it. Um, you know, it's something that we, we actually built twice in, in in six months because the first version was built inside this product and we found the performance too slow. So the solution was to build it outside of that product. Um, but that, and that gave us more flexibility on certain other things. So yeah, three, three to four months is a good, good starting point. We actually built, um, so we had the end user version and then we had another version, which was for the operational teams, because with all with all this, uh, and this again comes back to having focused areas, for for the end users that do what they need to do, there was an operational piece behind that, where in order to support them doing that, and we had the same problem. We had all these tools with all these different their own portals, like many you know to provide functionality. But then if you needed to find them, you needed to know. All the URLs because they'd be on different servers and they wouldn't be DNS names and those sorts of things. So we built two portals, one for ops, one for the end user. So it came down to the point that you could say search for a user and you could find all the information that you needed as a support person. So you could dive in to the tool you needed. So if it was a Sistrack or if it was a Directo or Netscaler, you didn't have to go and figure out which admin portal go to. You just clicked on the link and it took you there and it, in some cases logged you in because you were single sign-on. Uh, and it was the same simplicity for the for the end user. Now, when I was researching this, um, sort of a, I feel like there's been a few phases of portals. Maybe we've had like portal 1.0 with like the intranet genie and the very simplistic um, sort of design than portal um, 2.0, which is a bit more sophisticated. And we've been in those um, sort of customized aspects to different groups and have different features in there. And then um, sort of a portal 3.0 vision, if you will, is to incorporate more um, employee involvement in terms mm-hmm. of like um, some sort of social media component. I don't know if we've ever uh, seen like a Facebook workplace or um, I can't remember, just some sort of like enterprise social network or if that's um, anything you ever considered. Yeah, so, so funny enough, um, there was a, um, 
a focus on that. I think the challenge with those sorts of things is you're creating work for people, mm. the best intentions. So, you, you know, if it would be ideal if everyone kept their profile, like the thing about your LinkedIn profile. You know, typically if someone wants to know about me, I point them at LinkedIn because I know, I know that's the one place that I keep up to date. But if you work in, a, in an organization where now you have to do another profile and keep that up to date and they're not in sync, you doubled up work already. So, so I've always hesitated to build a, build a new one. Uh, what I've preferred is to say, well, let's, let's provide a mechanism where we, can, where we can link the LinkedIn profile or even ingest it. Now, you can't do that anymore. You used to be, you used to be able to ingest a LinkedIn profile. Um, now that's been sort of locked down and, and that mm. sort of stuff. But it, it was a nice way to, because what you're really looking for in a corporate is, is, or a large organization is, who knows about this stuff that I can talk to to help me? And where are they so I don't phone them at three o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. So, so that's, I, I definitely see a need for it. And, and there are most, most portals or internets have that capability uh, built in now, you know, sort of my profile. I mean, same as your Office 365 accounts, you know, that's, that's, that's it's got similar functionality. And, and a lot of the tools, uh, I'll say a lot of fewer of them now, are starting to build a profile for you. So you don't have to go and do it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, and again, it comes back to, you know, how much work do you want to put into it? Because you have people that will literally blog once a day um, on something in that, in that internet, but that, that never gets to the light of day. And it's actually really good content. And you have someone who, who will blog externally and never put it internally because they feel like they're restricted or they don't want to just duplicate their work. Um, so it's it's yeah, it, it's a tough tough one to solve. Yeah, and I know we're sort of running a little short on time, so maybe this could be um, sort of a final question. But I guess if there's any one piece of advice that you could give to someone who's either doing a huge portal refresh or maybe even starting one from scratch, um, is there like a key nugget of wisdom that you would want to share with that person? Um, yeah, give me a second on that one. Let me, I mean, I can, I can go a little bit longer if we need to. Okay. Well, I don't know if you, if you need to go. Um, I guess the, I mean, if you don't have the data, so if you don't know what people are spending their time on, spend spend some time asking them what they do. And, and it may be a survey, it might be phone calls, it might be face-to-face, it's coffee corners, whatever it is, whatever we can do nowadays, um, to hear what they what they want, what they get frustrated by. Mostly, most most complaints lead to, to good ideas and solutions. Um, there's no point investing in a re- rebranding or redo of a portal if you didn't ask anybody who has to use it what they want. Um, once you've got that in place, or at least an idea, I don't want to say take it with a pinch of salt, but just just rethink it to see if what they're actually asking for is actually what they need. Because you can end up with a whole lot of great ideas, but not all of them are worthwhile. Um, and that is that is a trick. I, I, you know, without seeing them, it's, it's difficult to say what's the right path. But if we look, what drove us, our portal at the last company I worked with for this, one was a survey that the, com- that the employees filled in saying that they were unhappy with the technology and, and the way it, trans- way it communicated with them. And it was very difficult to get things. Um, the other thing was um, they, d- they didn't trust that they, uh, the information they were getting was, was up to date and real. Um, and the third thing, 
well, it's part, it's part of the, compli the complexity. Um, you know, trying to fill in a form to get a piece of software deployed to their, their laptop. It was like a 27 field form, which required a, you know, a maths degree to understand. <laughs> um, to make that sort of stuff simple. So simplicity is, is key, but you've got to understand a few things first. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.